You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 106. I'm talking to Ben Stapley about getting things done. My audio is awful, so I'm really sorry, but this is a good show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Glad you're here with us. Hey, Megan. Hey, Seth. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. You have a, you have a new background. I do. Today. I it's do. lovely. It's red. I did so, the red well, light. You have a nice red halo around your head. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling today. Red rage. Rage against... The machine. Yeah. Well, it looks very snazzy. Thanks. I, I'm, I'm happy with Those are my two guitars. Do you play I've, guitar? Or are I they do. just for looksies? No, I, I, I used to lead worship and I've been in a couple bands. Yeah, I used to play you know, rock music. You know a handful of chords? I know all the chords. All the chords? <laughs> I know all, all the chords. I know all three or four of them. Yeah. <laughs> I can, uh, I, I ascribe to the Phoebe Buffet style where it's like Tiger Claw. And, yes. uh, oh, I forget what all that. I'm sorry. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I've been rearranging things in the office here to try to get a little bit more of a good look for YouTube. And, um, I'm pretty happy with it. I always like yeah. your background too. Lots of plants and natural lights. Oh, I bought another plant today again and for the background. No, just for like, just for my life. Just they're like taking over my house. I have plants everywhere. I love them. I can't stop buying them. And I'm concerned because, you know, I'm 33 and I, I have a lot of plants. And if I continue <laughs> on this streak by the time I'm 50, like I'm, I'm nervous, man. Like what's, yeah. <laughs> how's I feel like that going to be? needs to be part of your like speaker bio. Like Megan Ranson is has lots uh, of co-host of Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, communications director, has lots of plants, <laughs> and will have more before 50. The goal is to walk name. through a jungle yeah. in my own home. <laughs> you want your house to be very, um, very rainforesty. Yeah. I got to interview Ben Stapley the other day. Oh, Ben. And uh, yeah, we talked about um, all kinds of stuff, mostly project management, and we talked about <clears throat> uh, communication requests and getting things done and working with people that don't want to do the system. You know, they don't want to. They want to go around the system. So it was a pretty yeah. great interview. Um, you know, Ben, that video of him that is like two of him, where he's talking about yes. like the power of having a co-host on like mm -hmm. your announcement videos. It just pops up everywhere and it just cracks me up because there's, he's like yeah. looking at himself. Longingly. <laughs> longingly looking at himself. <laughs> no, it's a great video, but like, like loves Ben. But now, yeah, we should all get ourselves someone that looks at us the way Ben looks at Ben. <laughs> ben no. in, in, in all seriousness, Ben is such a good guy. It's a good video, but that yeah. will forever be ingrained in my brain now. Ben of... is, a, ben is a, he's, he's been in communications for a while, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him in the, in the interview. But, um, but Ben has been on the show before. He talked about mm -hmm. like, helping us do better interviews with our, um, like getting better video interviews out of our subject and whoever's there, yeah. how to ask questions, how to set it up, and then all kinds of great stuff. It's another one of the episodes behind, uh, back several episodes. So, Interested in that? Go listen to that. But um, today's interview is about project management, and um, Ben is, it, and it's not boring. 
it's fun. I mean, Ben's a good dude and has a lot of great, interesting things to say because we, we kind of veer into other things too that I think are really interesting towards to this conversation. And so I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Well, and he has talked about too, how he has spent 20 years as a, like in church communications. And now he wants to spend the next 20 building mm-hmm. into people who are doing communications now too. So if yeah. you're somebody that, you know, feels, you know, I need more resources and I need help and I'm kind of drowning or I feel underappreciated or I really don't know what my next steps are in this. Like he is a really great person to speak in, speak life into yeah. your role. He is a, he's a true pastor, a shepherd. Yeah. And you'll hear that in his, in his thoughts and what he says in this interview. Um, even when he's thinking about the technical side of you know, creativity, video, communications, processes, it all comes from a place of let's care about people a lot, like Jesus mm-hmm. did. And that you just come to love that about the guy. So let's get to that interview and um, let, them, let everybody hear some of this great stuff that Ben has to offer. Um, you can get the show notes for this, sethnews.com slash 106. And uh, we will, you know, put any links in there in the show notes. So thanks for listening. Here's my interview with Ben. Hey, everybody. I'm here with my guest, Ben Stapley, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ben. Ben is a pastor, leader, blogger, and creative. He uh, currently serves on the executive team at uh, Christ Fellowship, and that's in Miami, right? It is. Sorry to for all those who are bearing up for winter and the fall. I apologize in advance for our beautiful warm weather down here. Yes. Yeah, well, you have to deal with hurricanes, so we're good. Um, as the weekend, he's a weekend experience director. He oversees uh, production, worship, creative, communication, online, guest service departments, uh, just to name a few of those things, you know, of your small little tasks you do. Uh, ben has a real heart for creating memorable moments in people's lives that point them to Jesus. And uh, I just please welcome one of the nicest guys in creative communication space. What's up, Ben? How are you today? Seth, it's it's great. It's uh, my day was good. Uh, I started talking to you, and it just went to great. Uh, oh, okay. I always love talking with you. So I this usually, is like, I expected to go the other way. No, I mean, man, you took of... it a step up, a step up. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, man, I, again, you've been on the show before a couple times now, and I uh, just really appreciate you coming on, and always just you know love your insights. So I'm excited to talk about process requests and getting things done in a communication situation. So, um, you know, just give us a little bit of a snapshot. You, you've got a lot of stuff you handle at Christ Fellowship. What does a day in the life of, of mm-hmm. Ben Stapley look like at work? I mean, how are, you, how are you juggling all these different things? Yeah. So first of all, I'll have to say this, that I, I juggle it because I work with incredible people, incredible, mm-hmm. inc- incredible departments. That's the first reason that mm-hmm. I'm able to juggle these things. Yeah. And then my typical day, if I could boil it down, is I'm trying to find clarity for my teams in terms of what the win is and what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then cast vision for them and keep them engaged and motivated to push mm-hmm. towards that. Because so for me, those are the two things, right? It's, uh, it's vision. Uh, and then it's, uh, sorry, it's clarity and then it's vision towards that. So if mm-hmm. I can keep on doing that, if I can keep on pouring that into my people day to day, uh, yeah. then we're going to keep moving along and accomplish what we feel God's called us to do. So cool. uh, those are like broad brush strokes, but that's what my yeah. day 
normally much, looks like. How much of the um, like in the in the in the weeds kind of stuff are you really? Because this is kind of an off question here. I'm mm-hmm. just wondering for myself. Mm-hmm. I know that when you get to a point where you're leading so many things, it's you, you find yourself kind of not doing the actual work mm-hmm. more, right? You're mm-hmm. leading teams, and it looks different, feels different. So, how do you balance that out? How much are you like hands on? How much are you? doing what you just said and leading and inspiring kind of giving vision, that kind of thing. What does that look like? Yeah, I'm trying to do less of it and less of it because I'm naturally inclined towards getting into the details and getting into the weeds. Mm -hmm. And then when I do, I do not have the capacity to get that clarity and then to motivate people towards it. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's more important for me and the people who interact with me and report to me that I'm able to give them that crystal clarity because they don't have time. They don't have time for sideways energy. They don't yeah. have time for backwards energy. And why are we doing this again? If we're asking those questions and scratching our heads, then I am not, I'm not succeeding as a leader. So, um, so I try, and try to get out of those weeds as much as possible. I still like to dabble. I'm actually working with a photographer this weekend. They're like, yeah. hey, like, can I just show you some of the things I've learned? And so I'll, I'll still do that like on my own time just because it's fun. But in terms yeah. of like my week to week, I'm trying to give that clarity to my leaders so they can inspire other leaders. Right. And I think that's a great leadership lesson. It's very difficult to learn as you, as you're, as you're in communications. I mean, you always, almost always, most of our listeners are volunteer by themselves. There's one man you know, show, one woman show. And, um, <clears throat> and it's difficult once you start to grow mm-hmm. and get help to understand your role shifting from doing to leading. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, a, always a balance that you have to manage, attention you have to manage, as our, you know, my favorite preacher, Randy Stanley, always says. <laughs> um, it's attention you have to manage, not a problem to solve. And so it's like you have to figure out where in the day am I... Because at the end of the day, it's always hard when you're a doer to go, I did this. You know, and if you don't have anything to say, I made this or did this or finished this, it's hard to feel sometimes like you accomplished something when what you yeah. did do is make sure a lot of other great things got done and, the, the, and give the, those people freedom to do it. The biggest mind shift, I, I agree. And if you're a creator or a communicator, you're always, you always want to do things. You always want to accomplish things. That's like yeah. built into your DNA. But for me, it wasn't the content I created. It was the people I forged or mentored. And like to me, that was that end of the day, what did I get done? This person became more like the man or woman God has designed them to be. And that mm-hmm. was my win. Like looking at the people and how yeah. they develop. Yeah. And, and just knowing you over the years, just seeing kind of how you operate, that's you, man. That's, that's like... I think, I don't know if you have to work at it, but it seems natural. That's how you kind of are. You're, you're very people oriented. And a lot of us, I think in communications have a natural bent to be very product oriented. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, we view our success by what we accomplished. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, uh, that's something I think as you're a project manager, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about how much you have to do and delegate, it's like, man, that's how I get judged is what yeah. did I do today? And yeah. it's hard to stop and think through a, a process like we're about to talk about, like how to make all this actually happen. But I think starting with, at the end of the day, it's it's the ministry that's happening. It's the people growing. It's like my relationships. It's like, that's really paramount to really, I mean, if you don't have that, you really can't get anything done anyway. It's really mm-hmm. hard to get something done. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I, I recently heard you give a talk at conference and about pastoring up, pastoring in, pastoring down. And, um, you know, as, and it was to a room full of communication leaders, right? So this yeah. is not like a, a talk to the senior leader. This is a talk to us. So briefly, just kind of share with what, are, what do each of those mean and, and especially mean for the communication 
leader. Yeah, I'll explain what they mean. But first, I wanted to give a little bit of backstory. So even the why, like why that talk, right? So for yeah. me, the the impetus of almost being 20 years in ministry now that I've seen the revolving door of the communicators and the mm-hmm. creatives and the artists in the church spin really fast. And, and it's only gone faster in my 20 years of ministry. And if there's anything I could do on the back end of my, you know, kind of last 20 years in ministry, uh, would be to like slow that turn and slow that revolving door down. And so that's, that's been a heart issue for me. And that's been a passion. And I, I don't know if it's going to go away anytime soon. God just seems to lay it on me heavier. And so that's the scratch of the head moment. Okay. So that's the problem, right? right. How do we solve it? And there's multiple different ways, but I think the core and key way, I think it's a pastoral and a spiritual issue first and foremost. And so that's Mm -hmm. the, you know, the pastoring, it's not a, um, it's not a resourcing issue, you know, primarily it's, I think it's a pastoral issue. And so from the the pastoring up, how do you lead, if you're in that role as a communicator or creative in the church, how do you lead your pastor well to get the things that you need from them? And there's like multiple things that are particular to you. Um, how do you pastor down so that you're leading the people? Maybe it's direct reports. Uh, maybe it's volunteers. There's probably somebody that you are leading in the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then almost most importantly, how are you pastoring yourself and making sure yes. that you have the safeguards on yourself as well? Because at the end of the day, um, God's going to call you to account to that. But mm-hmm. how did you appropriately say no when you needed to? And how did you guard your whole your heart by spending time with me first and foremost? before right. looking at that, that task list and getting those things accomplished. Mm-hmm. How, how did you pastor? How did you pastor in? How did you take care of your own heart? That's great. And I think for a lot of us in the communication world, we, we often see how we have to pastor up. And mm-hmm. if we have a team, we think we need to pastor down. Um, and then I think we neglect the pastoring in. Sometimes that's like at our church, sometimes we say, choose your lens. And that's, that's kind of like how we look at things, how we uh, choose our attitudes, you know, how are we leading ourselves spiritually, filling ourselves up spiritually and yeah. and doing that sort of thing to be prepared for, because at the end of the day, man, I feel like communications is today what the worship leading uh, worship team was in like early 2000s. There's, yeah. kind of a, there's kind of a war happening right now because culture has shifted. That's good. And, That's good. And, and again, just like in 2004, when we were struggling to understand why we couldn't sing you know, praise songs, as we called them, in mm-hmm. our services and mm-hmm. had to sing only hymns. And, and, and there, was, there were people that were like, we're never going to do that. And there were mm-hmm. people like, that's all we want to do. And so mega church movement kind of took over. And so, you know, and, and, and that was a big fight. It was very divisive. I think what I see coming is understanding these three things is the only thing that can stave off, I believe, a, another I guess schism, you know, in yep. the church over yep. communications because yep. the culture has shifted yet again in a new way and churches are having trouble grasping what it means for us in a lot of ways. See, Seth, I come on here to share, but I received just as much from you, my man. That is perfect. <laughs> I'm taking I'm I'm taking that. I've just stolen it from you. That is the, that that parallel and that gen, uh, you know that that parallel to the worship culture and that mm-hmm. cultural um, fight that we had to fight um, yeah. is perfect. And like, what are the lessons that that we learned yeah. so that we truncate that you know that fight that internal conflict within churches so mm-hmm. it doesn't have to take like a decade or two decades to like get us over that hump. I think that's right. I think there's some lot of lessons learned there. I think always, so. Totally I, mean, still I, on that. I think there's a you know there's because the tendency is for churches and this is not even like 
you know, a traditional church or like a very small church kind of problem, or, you know, mm-hmm. like some people like to say it's every church's issue is that we all have a message. We all have a community. We're trying to get that message to, and that community, whether they're 5,000 people in a small town or it's 500,000 people in a big city, they're online, they're on social, they're doing the same kind of stuff and you yeah. can reach them in the same kind of ways generally. And it's like figuring out how all this kind of works and getting, you know, caring about design, caring about websites, caring about social media. I mean, we live in a world today where, you know, some churches, I believe, think that social media is not a big important part of what they do, yet we have elections and Senate hearings happening right now about how social media companies have influenced elections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, how foreign countries have even influenced our elections through social media. And we have yeah. proof that there's some, you know, it, it's, it's shady, you know, and it's like being, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And so whether, no matter what side of that issue you fall down on, man, it's, it's, it's there that it had some kind of influence and it's uh, it's powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to backtrack too far, but just one other point on that pastoring up uh, in or down, I would say mm-hmm. like every uh, probably everyone who's listening uh, and watching right now probably struggles in one of those areas and to like yeah. identify what that is. And for me, it's the, it's the pastoring down my, my Achilles heel. One of them is um, sometimes if I'm poorly led, I will pass on that poor leadership structure down onto other people. Mm, and yeah. so if I feel like I'm abused, sometimes, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, dad comes home, you know, yells at the kids, the kids ultimately kick the dog. Like, right. I'll like, I'll pass mm-hmm. down that yeah. poor leadership instead of saying, no, I might not be led right now. Well, or it might even be toxic, but you know what? I'm going to stop it at me. I'm not going to pass it down. This past week I had a meeting uh, going into a meeting and I told my guys, Hey, um, I'm sorry. I'm coming in hot. I'm coming, I'm coming in a little worked up. And I know I'm going to be rough. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. warning you on that. I'm asking God to work on my heart at the same time. That's not an excuse. Yeah. Um, but I, I actively call myself out on that and try to check myself on that because I know yeah. if, if not, um, I, I, be, I become as I'll receive that toxicness and I'll pass it on down. So that's, yeah. I encourage your listeners to check that's, what man, area they need to work That's on. a great point too, is that, you know, there's, I, I don't know who said it. It was probably like a Craig Rochelle or somebody like that. But um, somebody told me, I, I read this, whatever it, he said. Um, Mr. X said that um, it is not your leader's responsibility to re- lead you well. Something mm-hmm. like that, to that effect. Mm-hmm. It's that just because you may, oh, here's what it was. Just because you're not being led well doesn't mean you can't lead well. Exactly what yeah. you're saying. Something yeah. like that. So I think that's that's a that's a valuable point as we're talking about leading up, leading down, where you're volunteers, where you've got teammates even, you're leading kind of sideways, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to help your team. That um, You don't really have authority over them, but you've got... Uh, influence and you've mm-hmm. got tasks and you've got a responsibility and so all that's very very important i think it's great um, but let's get into the process a little bit because some of the more practical communication issues uh building a process why do a process so let's just start with why why build a process at all and have people adhere to it in, in as far as like communication requests or getting things done through your department um because people hate it they i mean <laughs> I don't talk to hardly any communicators. They're like, you know, I implemented a process and everyone was like, this is the greatest thing we've ever done. It's like, there's always, it's change. It's str- I'm like, what is it that, that, why do they hate it? And like, why do a process in the first place? Why insist upon it? Uh, speak, well, they hate it because if you don't implement a process, then ergo, it's their process, right? Uh, so yeah. like they hate it because they don't want, want to be told no. And I say, hey, it's pretty, I'm going to push back on that. It's probably a strong word. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we all really want to get our way 
yeah. all the time, right? And so mm-hmm. if you have a process, I it, it's therefore going to put you into a track that m- might not get you to the end result that you initially want or think mm-hmm. is best. So that's why p- probably people do. Um, yeah. There's there's like lots of reasons as to why. The biggest reason probably is for the health of everybody. So first of all, like let, let's think of others, right? So it's the health of the organiza- organization. And if you're if you're working in uh, nonprofit in the spiritual world, it's the the health of the people you're trying to reach. Uh, a process will allow you to do that more efficiently, more effectively, and ultimately help you accomplish your organizational goal faster. So, like it helps yeah. them. Uh, then it helps you know, again thinking about others first. It's going to help the, your par- partners or your clients or your ministry departments, whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately going to help them. Because they're not going to have to reinvent the wheel each time, right? So, right. like, am I? Do I give you a post-it note? Do I text you? Um, do I jump on Basecamp? Like, what? It, no. Here's here's the process. This is what we do. It's going to help them. So it's going to make their time more efficient. Um, it will also help identify some of the whys behind your decision-making process. So the un- rejection is always hard, but if it's unexplained rejection, it's always harder. So it'll give you a chance to explain that. And then coming down to yourself, it, I'm going to come back to this. It's going to keep you in the game longer. So I yeah. talked about that revolving door. You need that process for your own sanity. So you avoid burnout um, and you can push people through a funnel and you don't need to figure that out every Monday um, when you just get flooded in your inbox with yeah. 20 new requests that came in over the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. Um, the why behind the what. Always important. Keep that out in front. Um, as a life church saying, I think, keep the why behind the what. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it's it's so true. Like there's always this like confusion at why do we need to change this? Because mm-hmm. we've been working fine. When, even when we're all in agreement, we're not working fine. It's mm-hmm. it's like there's it, you just it's it's the hardest thing in the world is not not fixing something that's broken. It's it's changing something that doesn't seem to be broken that can be better. Yeah. That yeah. that always is the harder sell. And I think when you implement a communication system, it's like part of it is you have to cast this vision of what could be better. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's attached to your why. It's like it could make us better at reaching people. It could make us better at um getting through this noise in the world. You know, it's like there's all this stuff that you can you can attach to it. But that why up front is like it's super important. Um, let's, let's get into like the, the nuts and bolts here then, a uh, healthy process for communication. I mean, first of all, what types of requests are, you know, are typically in communications world? And then, um, what, what are some of those things like milestones, I guess, along the track that uh, you should really have in your, in your strategy or funnel or whatever it is that you have people do, um, you know, starting with like, how do they even send a request? Where does it go? What happens next? You know, that kind of thing. So, so first, just what, what are some of those things we need? Yeah. Before I jump into those, what, what do you need? Again, like an analogy I like to use in terms of like the why this, this helped me uh, mm-hmm. clarify in my, in my mind. And then when I pitch it to other people is uh, I grew up with two other brothers and every Wednesday was pizza day. And my parents would buy us a medium sized pizza, which came with six slices. So if you do the math, you should assume that each boy gets two pieces. But my parents never had a system and never communicated that, 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 that resource allocation that you're, you get to, you get to. And so what we did was we just all ate really fast and with the goal of trying to get to that third piece before somebody else did. Yeah. <laughs> and we, you know, it was a comp, we competed against each other for the resources because mom and dad didn't clearly articulate 
where those resources were properly allocated. And so when when you have that system, you do that and your departments in your church, your ministries in the church understand that, okay, you get 20% of the pie. I'm getting 30. Someone else is getting 50. I got it. I'm now long, I'm no longer trying to fight for you about, uh, uh, for those. And I quickly eat that pizza as fast as I get, can to get more. Mm-hmm. I understand what resources I get in the organization. And I'm, I'm now cooperating with you instead of competing against you. If yeah. like, that's a pump the brakes, if your church hasn't done that yet, uh, and talked with the leadership structure about, yeah. Hey, at the end of the day, um, how do we allocate this in terms mm-hmm. of man hours, uh, stage time, what's yeah. that rough percentage, then you're just, you're spinning your wheels. And so that's like, that's kind of in terms of the system, even before yeah. you have a system, you need to know how you're allocating those resources. Right. If not, they're, they're competing. And, against each other. and I love that you mentioned to involve the, your leadership in that. And mm-hmm. cause they're the ones that really need to, to not only define it for you, like mom and dad would, but mm-hmm. back you up when you have to enforce it. And if they don't know what your process, like your, your, uh, allocation is or mm-hmm. your whatever then whenever someone they're basically they're just going to try to quiet the storm right there's an old uh, uh comedian i can't remember who it was it was like um he said uh parents don't care about uh justice they care about quiet and <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and i was like that's kind of true they're really like don't give it this kid fighting over a toy and one of them screaming and it's not her toy, but the other one's like, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And they're screaming, like, give it to her. Don't you hear her screaming? Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they don't care about justice. They care about quiet. And I was, that always stuck with me. I was like, that's kind of the way a lot of t- times when you've got one department that cries the loudest. Mm-hmm. It's like whoever, if there's not a process involved, that, that mom yep. and dad pastoral leader is going to come to you and go, just give them what they want. You know, just yeah. do it. You know, and, and it's going to usurp or undermine any kind of real strategy that you got going on. So. Involving them in it is awesome. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, so, so get let's let's go into the the process itself. Like, what uh, start to finish? Kind of, what do you think a healthy one looks like? So, uh, so we've talked about first of all determining how those resources are allocated. The next is yeah. uh, after you have that, um, you need to have some type of form in which people are putting in requests um, yeah. for us. If you went to cf miami dot org slash creative. Um, you'll see our request form process there. So if you have, I have no idea what I'm talking about, or you don't know, this is new to you, go check that out. And that's a quick template of how this could happen. There's lots of different ways. Uh, if you ask like multiple churches, hey, can I see your creative um, request or your communication form? Um, they yeah. probably have one on the back end that they can send you the link to. And yeah. those are super helpful. Uh, so, you, so you need that form. Uh, and then you need, then okay, who can access it? So can yeah. the janitor put in a request form. Um, mm-hmm. can, who can put in the access for this? My good like rule of thumb is it should be one person per department where I've seen this before, right? Yeah. Where you'll have, maybe it's kids and um, the uh, a kids small group leader is asking for something. And then um, a, a kid, kid shepherd is asking for something. And then somebody in the fifth grade is asking for something. But the, the department or ministry lead isn't aware of all these different requests and right. they're trying to push this major initiative and they're getting all these minor initiatives requested. So yeah. you need somebody in each of those yeah. areas to say, no, no, no. I'm, I, I kind of understand all our needs in our area and mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one who funnels them through because if not, again, you're, they're competing against it. So that competition can happen across departments and ministries or in any can even happen within departments and ministries. So yeah. one point person per person. That's great. Um, and then, and the, then 
an admin <laughs> probably is, is, is a good choice if you have one. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then a clear timeline. So for us, uh, we have a timeline in terms of like, if you're asking for this, it needs to be out this far in advance, this far in advance. And so mm-hmm. people know right away. Uh, one of the things we did was fun. Like we, we didn't have this um, process in place and it was kind of sloppy and we needed to institute it. And so first of all, you talked about that, right? Yeah. People are going to push back on this. If you need to institute, this is what we learned. Uh, we printed off grace cards and we gave them out to people. So we're doing a new system to, oh. to benefit you so you, we can accomplish your goals, to benefit us so we don't get burnt out, and to mm. benefit our guests so they understand what the church is trying to do. Um, it's going to be tough because in the past, the wild, wild west, if anyone asks and we just kind of say yes or maybe say no, there's no rhyme or we, hey, for this season, um, you see the timeline here. If you break the timeline, we're giving you two grace cards that you can play whenever you want. Yeah. And we even had fun with it. We even said, hey, if, if, if you want to get another grace card, then maybe take out that other ministry leader and like buy him lunch and see if you can get the grace card. <laughs> like take him out. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, and, for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing was we, we said no forgeries. People were trying to, for, you know, if I photocopy this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So, we, awesome. so if you're going to do that, you might want to number them. Like, or, you know, one of 20, yeah. right? One, two like, of 20. Like those little raffle ticket things you can tear off that have the old serial number on the other yes. side. Yes. Because people, <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to game the system. Yes, we yeah, are all right. sinful. I realize it. You realize it. So, but that, that was help. That was fun, right? First of all, it was a fun idea. way to introduce it. And then it also was a graceful way that during the season, we're going to be graceful. But after you play your two grace cards, you know what? This is now the new system. Uh, and we also said, so if, if, you, if a request needs two weeks out and you come to us one week in advance, um, we will try to make that happen. Um, but we have full right to say no because if we don't, we're going to get burnt out. So we still try to be extra gracious in there, but realize that our default position is going to be no, unless there's like nothing else on our plate, which PS probably won't be the case. So um, there may be a a rare instance in which we say yes, when it's come through last minute, but that's only because something's cleared up off our plate. It's not because you begged or bartered or like really pleaded with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's because a window opened up in a work week. That's all. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a great system. I love that. <laughs> that's uh you know, like play your grace card and uh, it's, Oh man, I'm, I'm processing that. That's a good idea. That's a mm-hmm. great idea. Okay. So um, process wise. So we got, you know, your why you um, have a form and mm-hmm. then we've got to have some who can access that form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a process even for like what to do when somebody's out of the timeline, which you created, you've got timelines. Um, what else do we need in our process? We need a check-in system. So sometimes if you've never done this before, or maybe you do have a process, but there's at one point there's a client. Um, and I usually call them partners. Um, mm-hmm. I, everyone calls them differently, but, uh, if in a church setting, I like partner because the client is a pretty cold and distant relationship where yeah. partner indicates that we're working together on this, right? That the, the, the communicator, the creative isn't just here to serve you you work together in tandem to accomplish the goal. So I, yeah. I'll use the term partner, but uh, so when does the partner get to check in on the proof uh, and give feedback on it and then make the change? And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say the proof, not like proofs where they're giving feedback like 20 times on something and it's never good enough. Um, yeah. So I'll say, when is it? So some people don't have that process and it's just, I made it and here it is and live with it. Um, even though it's got a typo. 
is yeah. one end of the spectrum, right? Where churches mm-hmm. go wrong on this. And the other end of the spectrum is this, there's just unlimited revisions on multiple times and it Ooh, never yeah. ends. And then never, so it's one proof and it's a proof by a person. So, so here's an example. Uh, you, you have a um, message series bumper. Great. And you're sending it up maybe to the teaching team and they all have feedback and want to give reviews. But what I say is, Hey, I'm going to send it to you. Get collectively make your decisions on what you want and then give me all that feedback from one source. Because the problem is if you don't do that, you'll get feedback from multiple sources and it will be conflicting information. So I love that font you chose. Awesome. It really worked. And then somebody else in the same thread will say, I don't like the font. Can you, can you fix it? And then you as a communicator saying, who do I listen to here? Who's the point person on this? So you, for the feedback needs to come through. It can be reviewed for as many people as you want within the department, but there needs to be one partner or client giving feedback feedback that will, that will clean up all that mess. That's great. Let them have an internal discussion, bounce ideas back and forth all they want, but we are understanding with them all people in the department, I'm listening to this guy, this way. Mm-hmm. This is the one person that can tell me yes or no. Yes. And what they say goes. That's great. I love that. Well, um, I know obviously we're going to need some tools to do this kind of stuff. Uh, but before we do that, let's take a quick break and we'll uh, talk about one of my favorite tools that I'm using uh, to get stuff done. Megan and I use it quite a bit. So um, we'll be back in just a second. My favorite task management and time-saving app right now is Trello, and we use it constantly to manage content for the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I even run my blog content calendar and, and my small business with it. It's colorful, it's easy to use, fully customizable. The card view makes visualizing my projects and progress super easy, and quite honestly, it's pretty fun. So go to sethmuse.com Trello T-R-E-L-L-O and sign up for a free account and I promise you'll probably love it. All right. So we've, we've gone through this process. It's, uh, it's healthy. And now we're down to the point where it's like, we, we kind of know where our feedback's coming from. How do we physically start getting this stuff done? Like what is the process for a project manager to actually delegate and keep track and even get, get that feedback on the ground? So some great project management softwares that are out there, Teamwork, Basecamp, Trello, Asana, uh, I've, they've all got pros and cons. None of yeah. them is perfect. Uh, right. my, my encouragement is to try out each of them, kick the can, you know, look at them for a little bit. The yeah. biggest thing isn't looking for the perfect one. It's just looking for one that you consistently use. If yes. you are changing platforms every six months, that will drive your partners crazy. Mm-hmm. And how do I give comments here? How do I tag people? What's the interface? Like you do not want to be spending time re um, getting everybody up to spade on new platform. So yeah. after you so, pick what, something, stick with it for two years before you bounce and do well, not let me, change. Uh, let me ask a clarifying question there. So just something I think I heard you just say. So you let the department heads, partners um, be in that task management system. Oh, uh, like, oh like yeah. Seeing things or able to, what, what are they able to do in there? Oh yeah. So, so, okay. So first of all, I'm talking to the, the communicators who are the ones implementing this process. You need yeah. to choose a project management system. We did talk, talk about those. Right. Um, and, and that ones that can interface with the partners or clients or department heads that you're serving, yeah. they, and they all have this feature, but you, they need to jump on here. So no, it doesn't work. If you, if you have one biospace, uh, environment, right? Like this project management software, mm-hmm. And people are texting you feedback, emailing you feedback, posting notes. No, 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 right. no. It all needs to live here. And yeah. 
we've crudely put like, hey, thanks so much for texting me this. I'm not going to remember it. And it's not going to get acted upon until it's in this project management software. Then once it is in the card, in the project, on that card thing. I'm on that. Yes. And when you pass me in the hall, hey, blah, blah, blah. Thanks. You're wasting. um, I don't want you to waste your time. I will not recall this. But we have a project management software system it's here um so so you need to have that you need to keep pushing people there and then like if you've never uh, instituted one you need a training session right so you need to get all the people in the room hey everybody Uh, and again this is like start with a why i want a system that's going to work for you guys and this i think is it's not perfect but it's the best system and i'll say that almost all of the those that you mean i i love trello i use trello personally a lot um and um you know that's how we get things done on our podcast i love the cards it's 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 awesome i love it Uh, but at work we use asana that was what was instituted already when i got there that i don't want to change the system um it doesn't really work best with how my Mm -hmm. mind works but uh, that's why i like trello better but Mm -hmm. um but still it it's how my team really functions Mm -hmm. but one of the one of the things about all those all of those tools is they have some settings where you can operate through email. If you have people that are like, I don't know how to work this internal system, they can email a certain email address that communicates or get updates on a card that or a project that emails them and they can respond to it and it just puts it in there for you. Yeah. Um, so if you're a project manager and you don't know about that, I would suggest Googling whatever process, you, whatever tool you've got and figuring out how to make that happen. Because uh, that might make the the fruit hang a little lower mm-hmm. or for some on your staff that might be, I don't know, a little less technologically savvy. Yep. Learning a yep. process or whatever. It might make it a little easier on them. Um, you know, I would say try to get everybody in there mm-hmm. and, and try to get everybody on board, right? Because you want them to use it natively. It's easier on you. It's easier really on them. But if they just won't, the email thing might actually help. Well, Seth, what does Yoda say about try? Come on now. Yeah, there is no try. Right, right. Come on, we can do, do this, church. We can do, do this. We can do this. <laughs> and, yeah. and this, this is the other thing too. You might be saying scratch. You might be scratching your head um, and saying, "Hey, I've seen your your headshot." <laughs> uh, and you might be saying, "Hey, I don't. I'm still confused. I don't know which one to choose, or it's 50-50. If some other department in your church already uses a project management software, then jump onto that gravy chain because guess what? If they're already using it, then they're going to be really inclined to use it if you use it. Right. And here, here's like the gold standard. If you can get everybody on your church who's using Project Man to use the same one, oh my mm-hmm. goodness, the organizational efficiency goes through the roof. So yeah. th- like this may even be a conversation for you to talk. Okay, students uses Asana, um, kids uses Basecamp, and I as a communicator want to use Teamwork. Oh, that's like a recipe for disaster to have mm-hmm. those three different project management softwares. Yeah, get those is. people in a room, lock, lock the door, say, we're not leaving <laughs> until Place we are. Armed guard. <laughs> yeah. I'll pay you a hundred dollars if you just come to my system or I'll take, you know, like bribe if you need to, right. but get everybody on the, on the same one and you're going to skyrocket as an organization. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, you got it. And, and the training session as well is super important. Another thing you can do is a communicator that's really helpful as well. Once you have that training session, if you will record it mm-hmm. um, and then <laughs> that way you don't yes. have to keep saying it over and over and then even take that recording, maybe even break it up into sections and small videos and title them and put them on a secret web page or on a YouTube playlist that's unlisted or something like that. They can always access that. You don't have to keep telling them the same thing and just say, Hey, it's here. If you ever need a refresher and you need to figure out how to do this again, here's some videos or maybe, you know, I, I know when we switched over to planning center giving, yep, they offer that stuff already. So check on your, your, your platform and see if they give, 
really because they'll do it really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They may not get the vision of your church or whatever, but uh, in this in your presentation that you'll probably give as to as to the why, mm-hmm. but they'll definitely have something about the how because all these platforms yeah. work different. They know they've got to put videos yeah. and resources out there to train you. And this is like a no brainer, but after like, it's not when you do that training session, don't just talk theory, but do it practically. Okay. So we're going to walk through and who's got a communication request. Okay. Do you, what is it? Let's go Mm -hmm. step by step. So the first thing you would do is you'd open up this window and and then everyone sees it in real time interaction. And that's, you know, we all, we all learn best by doing. So when you do that training session, get someone to do it. It'd be fun to bring someone up on stage, put the, put the screen on the, on the big screen and let them Mm -hmm. Type, all right, now here's how you do it, and just kind of lead them through it. It might be kind of a fun get somebody that you know can have a little fun with it, and that'll type yeah. funny things in that are appropriate. Um, so you know, not maybe not the youth pastor. So I like um, how you said fun and appropriate because and not, appropriate. <laughs> that Venn diagram doesn't always overlap. <laughs> maybe the youth pastor would be really great for that. I used to be a youth pastor, I'd, I'd know. If I were put in a situation, I'd type something silly, but I would be, I'd be appropriate. Um, so anyway, uh, I think these tools are great. So we're talking about getting the staff on board training. Any other training kind of things that we can do to help implement and get everyone on the same page? Like, What's something that's worked for you guys? Mm-hmm. I know you said when you got to Christ Fellowship, there was not really a process. You had to, had to implement that. What are some of the things you saw real wins to, to get that going? Uh, a lot of it was philosophical. And it was, it was a lot of it was right-sizing expectations. So like you, you can't just set up the software or the platform and the training. You have to set up expectations for everybody. So they're great. Now we have it. And then the next day everyone jumps in and like, because I type something and I hit your deadline four weeks in advance, I'm getting mm-hmm. it right. And so you need to yeah. set those expectations. So like some general principles that I use is, um, it's like, first of all, like it's this quarter or never. So sometimes someone might say, Hey, I want, um, I want, when you have time for it, I want a tutorial video uh, on how to clean toilets for our janitorial staff. And I might be thinking videos the, is the most resource heavy request we have. And, and the purpose of your video is, the, is, is fairly low. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, no, but there's, no, no, when you get to it. And so I yeah. say, if I can't get to it this quarter, I'm not going to get to it any quarter because here's the thing. Some, it, because the That's client right. or the partner has this false, uh, this false notion that, you know, come the summer or come the fall, it's going to be downtime. But if you look at the church calendar, um, in the spring, you have Easter, um, in the, uh, in the summer, you probably have some type of big series that you know, for us, it's at trips, the movies, all kinds of stuff. something, something the fall, fall kickoff. Uh, then you got Christmas. Yeah. And then you do it all over again. And there's yeah. there's peak seasons for the church in every one of those seasons. And if and realistically, if I can't get to your request, um, it, I'm this quarter, I'm never going to get to it. So that's the yeah. one I use. Um, and then the other one I always do is um, I always try to right size the request. So we may say no, but if we say no, we look for a yes. So mm-hmm. I want that I want that tutorial video for the janitorial staff. Mm, no, I can't do that. Um, but if you do this, if you find um, uh, tutorial videos already made on YouTube of how to clean a toilet, I can make a back web page that the, that the whole janitorial staff can look at these best practices on how to cut the grass, how to clean the toilet. And you can use that as your training reason. Let's not reinvent the wheel. So if you say no, always look for chances to say yes. Uh, to say yes. And that yeah. always, that gives hope and encouragement to the partner to know that you're on their side and you're looking for wins for them. Even if you need to say no, try to say yes. So those are some expectations up, up front. Uh, that you got to do. 
And the other one I, I say is I'm going to try to, I'll also look for opportunities to scale up the request. So in other words, you might come in and think, going back to that janitorial video, you might think right away, hey, um, I want to request this, these training videos, but I know that's a lot of work, so I don't know how to do that. So I guess it's a no, right? And you could say, uh, no, no, no. And you could provide this option that they're not thinking about. So, yeah. so when, you, when you get a chance, consider how to scale up the request that's not even in the client or the partner's mind because you know of other communication tools and avenues and best practices that are out there that they're just unaware of. So those yeah. expectations really help up front. That's great. And that's where your expertise kind of comes in. It's like, hey, there are things that you're not thinking about. Let me help you make this better. Um, you know, I, I know personally that when, you know, our ministry heads come to me and said, hey, oh, man, I totally forgotten this thing. Um, you know, we need to get this done. And I'm like, I'm already thinking about that. Um, we've already got it. Um, so got you back. Uh, I know at least in one or two instances where it was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You know, mm-hmm. And it's like you're thinking of things that maybe they're not thinking about even in their own ministry sometimes of like, we're having a huge event. Oh my gosh, I forgot to request a photographer or, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I forgot to request the banner that's going to take, you know, now we got to pay extra to get it rushed or whatever. And, and you're like, well, we already priced that. We're just waiting on the design. It's almost done for you to look at and then we'll have it done. Yeah. You know, and they have, they're like, okay, great. You know, it's like, we, we've already kind of, been thinking about some of these things that you're going to need because we know these events that are coming along. And that was one of the things for us that, uh, that shifted is that I think that um, getting staff on board with your process is also a proactive thing. It's like, you know, like you said, learning that you're with them mm-hmm. and you're thinking mm-hmm. about their ministry. It's like, yeah. it reciprocates back to, okay, they really care about me and my ministry. So I need to care about them and their process because that's kind of how their ministry works to me. And so it's like there's a there's a reciprocation there that happens if you're you're proactively look cuz here's the deal we could sit around and just wait for the request to come in too. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that we're like, "Hey, I know you're going to need this. Have you thought about it?" Where I just go down to you and go, "I know you've got this huge mission trip coming up. Um, typically we do XYZ for that. Do you need do you want me to go ahead and start on that?" Yes. Okay. Well, would you put in a request real quick? And they're happy to do the request. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, needed the reminder. You know, it's like you're helping do more than just sitting. In your, you're just not sitting in your office waiting for work to come in, right? You're not yeah. just an agency. You're 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 caring about how things go at your church too, and enough to think through it. Like if you, uh, one of the, and, and doing a women's and men's conference for us was was where it shifted. It was like mm-hmm. we're in the room hearing all these ideas, but in a team effort, who put those requests in? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's owned by everybody. Whose job is it to put in requests? You know, it was like, who's handling communications? Well, we are, you know, it's like, yeah. they, I had to kind of shift a little bit. So yeah. um, the process, I think, can be a place where there, when you're in charge of it, is a little flexible, but it helps your, your, your team to know that you're thinking about them. And that helps them, I think, think about you. Yeah, we, we frame this conversation with process, but you're, you're, you're sneaky. You're, mm-hmm. you're shoehorning in one of the most valuable aspects of it. And it's the relationship where yeah. if, uh, if I, you're right, if, if it's just a cold, um, you know, like production house, like mentality, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. yeah, I can just sit back and wait till the requests come in and execute mm-hmm. them. Um, 
But if you, but it's, we, we know that's not the case. Um, right. This is, this is ministry together. And unless we feel like we're locking arms, mm-hmm. unless I would say, if, if I'm not locking arms with you, then I'm probably throwing punches at you. So it, mm-hmm. for me, it's one or the other. There's, there isn't a neutral in this yeah. relationship. And so unless I'm actively looking to lock arms with you, I'm emotionally, I'm mentally, I'm going to be throwing punches at you because man, this guy's really, this gal is really frustrating me because of this, that, the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, which is probably the case for a lot of people listening and when mm-hmm. viewing, is the best thing you can do for this is to take them out for lunch and to say, tell me about your area of oversight. Why does it engage you? Why are you so passionate about it? I just mm-hmm. want to hear what's going on there. And if you see that relational capital with them, then you can recoup on that multiple times down the road. And oftentimes, like I'm a big system and process guy. Don't get me wrong. But oftentimes, we think that's a silver bullet to really solve a relational issue where yeah. you haven't spent time building that capital and they don't know you're for them. And maybe you're not for them. Maybe you need to get for them and be yeah. on their page and, and hope that they get on your page. But don't yeah. be the proactive one, right? You know, scripture tells us like if someone got an offense against you, go to them. But also if you got an offense against them, like go to them, be proactive and yeah. pour into the relationship. That, that um, I think we overlook that a lot yeah. and default to the process winning the day. Amen. And, and I hear that so much in our space where, you know, yes, we know a lot of things about this world, you know, and like how things work and we bring an expertise to the table, but um, it's kind of that Maya Angelou old, old saying, you know, that uh, no one cares what you think until they, they, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, the position that we're in, we swim in communication waters, you know, that's, it's native to us. It makes sense to us. And we have the kind of the curse of knowledge because Mm -hmm. we can't unlearn some of the things we've learned that we're not just thinking about theory and the preference and practices. And these are things that work, you know, and it's like, we're we're trying to help, but without that relational side, um, it really doesn't matter. They're not, they're not going to go for it and it's going to be tense and it's going to be troublesome. Um, and that's, uh, that's unfortunate. And I hope that, and if that's the situation, they can bounce back. But um, let's let's talk about real quick the ones that don't want to work with you that just constantly undermine the process. And do we have to? Do we have to? I think we should. Um, it's it's a very real thing. So as we wrap up here, just kind of you know, there's there's kind of a two part question. So you've got people who are in your organization that are like constantly undermining, don't care, or trying to go around it, trying to push the envelope, break the rules. Uh, photocopy the grace cards, you know, that kind of thing. So um, what do you, what are some things you can do to help with that? And then let's put it in the context of what do you do when that's a leader who's above you doing that constantly because they're the leader. So first just coworkers, somebody doesn't want to follow the process or what are, what are some things we can do to get them on board? Again, like I'm, I'm going to approach this from the best. I'm going to um, hope for the best, and you know, and not assume the worst. So, in yeah. other words, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. That it's um, maybe it's a lack of education or awareness. And so, like first of all, to have those meetings, like, hey, why um, aren't you on board? Do you do you not know what it is? Can I cast you vision again? Is it a, is it a training issue? Is it an insecurity thing that maybe you know you're you're older in the organization and you're reporting to someone younger, and this younger person understands these these apps and can navigate the world. Uh, run the digital platforms much faster. And maybe there's an intimidation issue that's going on mm-hmm. here. So yeah. like, what's it, what, I try to identify what that is. Um, 
if you identify all the potential problems and it comes down to a hard heartedness, then it's, then it's like, then it's a conversation still, but it's like from a spiritual perspective, like, Hey man, why, why are we working against each other here? I think we're, I thought we were both trying to advance the cause of Christ and proclaim his name. Um, and if, the, if that doesn't go anywhere, then I, then if it's like at a peer level, it's like, Hey man, I, I, I've tried to solve this as best I can. We're still at an impasse. I think at this point we need to bring in our managers to help us get through this. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. maybe I'm not seeing this and I'm the one who needs to change. Yeah. And I'm completely open for that. Uh, but if not, then like we should just get on the same page. So let's, let's bring in another layer to this conversation to solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fairly straightforward. Um, when it goes to somebody higher in the organization than you and, and, and the leader, that's a little tricky because your leverage in those situations isn't as robust. Um, right. And so again, I would inc- do all the things that I said there, probably not bringing their level of leader, uh, but cast vision, see where they, where the issue is coach towards it. But we, you know, we came back to the, what I said at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes w- through all of your best effort, you are still not being led well. And there's somebody in the organization above you right. that is actively working against you. Um, at that point, you can only control what you can control and you've done your best. And you, well, at that point, I wouldn't spend that energy trying to retrain. I would spend your energy guarding your heart so that you don't absorb it That's and great. you don't trickle it on down in the organization and you cap it right there. And hey, here's the deal. Uh, people aren't idiots. Um, people see what's going on. And if you have a good heart and you're trying best, um, you can usually point out in the organization where something's wonky. Um, and you just need to be faithful. Like oftentimes we try, my wife always says like, uh, when I'm going through a difficult work situation, she, on the way out the door, she said, God's your defender. Like you don't need to defend mm-hmm. your cause. You need to rely on him to defend your cause. Um, you don't need to do this campaign about how awesome are you are and how right you are. Let him <laughs> handle that. So that might be a situation yeah. if it's your leader to let him be your defender. Uh, that's what he says to be true. And I would hold him to account on that because he's going to come through on for you. Maybe not day one. Um, mm-hmm. but if you are faithful to what he's entrusted you with, he will take care of other people and what they're entrusted with as well. I think that's awesome. And, and again, just to add to it, it's choosing your attitudes, what you're talking about and, you know, deciding that I'm going to try to think the best, like, cause a lot of times when that situation takes place, that leader really doesn't know or realize what they're doing to you. They mm-hmm. have a task they've been put in charge of. They have a responsibility to a ministry, uh, whatever, and they're trying to get things done. They, they have on, on their plate. And it's like, yes, I forgot this, but I need, I need your help, you know, and, and I need your help to do this thing. And that's kind of where we get to choose whether or not we're going to be a hero to them mm-hmm. or not. And I think that uh, they'll remember those moments where you, you saved them. And you helped them out and you really came to the rescue. Um, you know, and if it happens a lot, you know, it's like, okay, well, now this is not just, and, and like you said, if it's happening a lot, it's in my mind, God is our defender. Um, there's probably other places where <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. there's things going on like that. Then that'll kind of take care of itself. They may well, not be in that role or for long, or they may get reprimanded or, you know, they might be like, Hey, I see what you're doing to this team, or I see what you're doing. You know, somebody might step in that, that, you know, you don't have to do anything, you know, who knows? Yeah. And I, really well, I, would say, job to I, I would say this too, right. God is your defender. And he's also giving you a LinkedIn password and an account. So like, 
Use exercise <laughs> wisdom and discernment. Like sometimes he calls us to silently suffer, but like he, 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 um, he wants us to be conformed into the image of his son. And, and, and some of that conformity is he's given us tools and talents and he calls us to account for those talents. So at the end of the day, if you're trying to use your talents, like that's a biblical principle. If you're trying to use your talents and you're just being stymied again and again and again, he's going to call you to that. I gave you two. What'd you do with it? I gave you five. What'd you, I gave you one. I buried it in the ground because I had a leader who would not listen to me. And how many decades did you work for them? Mm-hmm. At some point, I think there's a, there's a spiritual account to that to say, I've done my best in this scenario and it's unfruitful and God calls us towards the fruitful life. And so like, you know, sorry to parent, you know, LeBron James, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. I'm like, I'm going, I'm, I may need yeah. to go somewhere else with this. And that may still be in the church and volunteering instead. Maybe it's working for another church or even another organization. But at the end, I think, I think sometimes I've heard like discussions within communicators, like, I've been like in this, doing this for 20 years. And it's not, part of me wonders why um, did you work towards changing it? First of all, and oftentimes it's yes. Well, then why did, why did you just beat your head against the door for the next 20 years? Do, do you feel like God's called you to that? If not be bold and do something different because he, he may be calling you towards something different. And so yeah. I know that's kind of a little, little radical, like consider leaving your church job. But um, I think for some, that's the, that's the most godly step and the yeah. most honoring step they need to do. And, and on the flip side of that, just, uh, you know, you talked about maybe God sometimes does call us to suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to play mm-hmm. the other side of that coin, um, you know, it takes a lot of pressure to make diamonds, man. So, <laughs> you know, God could be doing something in your life that he mm-hmm. puts you in that situation to teach mm-hmm. you something. Yeah. And I know that when I've been in situations where I feel uncomfortable or I feel frustrated or whatever, that if I can... If I can try to look for what is God teaching me right now, um, the project management side or the functional side is easy to, to get frustrating. It really is because it's mm-hmm. a lot of moving parts, managing a lot of you know deliverables with a lot of personalities, and the communication department touches every department, and no other part, department in the church does that except maybe the senior pastor mm-hmm. and you know, or executive pastor, whoever's in charge of staff. But you know that's that pressure can really grow you or if, and if you don't let it crush you um mm-hmm. you know and turn you into something pretty great so um you know think about like you're growing too you know you're molding too yeah. as a communication leader and, yep. and and uh there's you know you're not you're not there just to get everybody else to be better you've got to be better too mm-hmm. and god will use them to teach you yeah and so that's i think um you know i think that's two side but you do have to be open to that possibility, like, man, maybe this just isn't the place for me. Maybe this isn't working out. And that's a nuclear option, obviously, but, you know, something that you have to really pray through and think mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're right. Like, I think like, uh, in that spectrum of how many times God's calling you to, to be conformed to the image of a son in that, that setting, in that environment, I'd say like, mm-hmm. that's the vast majority of the time. Um, yeah. But there are some times where things are just... Um, clearly abusive. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think we falsely play the I'm, I'm suffering for the cause of Christ card when he's been saying, no, I've been trying to give you hints to get out of here for 20 years. You just haven't been taking them. Yeah. And so I'm just saying, I think there are those scenarios as well. Absolutely. Well, I think a practical part of this has been incredible. I mean, understanding philosophy with the why behind the what, I mean, just always great to have you on the show, man. I really appreciate your time and your insight and your Love for communication leaders and creatives, man. Thanks so much. And I'm stealing that from you. Just as the culture 
wars of the 90s with worship. We are now going through those with communication. Stealing it. Okay. Do it. Because I think that's, I think it's hard to deny it. (laughs) We're in it, man. Well, thanks so much for uh, being on the show, dude. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody else, for listening or watching wherever you're at on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. I hope that you'll go give us a review and a like and uh, check out Seminary of Hard Knocks. Um, ChurchCom 101 channel on uh, YouTube. Really, I hope you'll check that out. Um, Go to sethnews.com slash YouTube. You should be able to find it. All right. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time.